Good evening. Today is September 13th, 2023, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter step is, uh, chapter is, or step is into action, step nine. And our speaker tonight is Aaron Kay. Thank you, Aaron. Hey, everybody. Um, I'm Aaron Kay. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Michigan. Oof. And here it goes. <laughs> um, let's see what it was like, what I was like. Um, I have never done this before, but I'm going to try to share some pictures. Um, let me see if I can make this happen. It's not collaborating. That's okay. We'll try this. Let's see if we can just share this. Um, yeah, the reason I've never shared pictures is because I... I didn't really have them um, until my stepmother sent me a whole pile of pictures from when I was growing up. Um, so the reason being um, my, so I, I learned to use food as a salve when I was just a little kid. You know, and there's this picture of me, you can see. Um, I heard the term on a recent um, share at this meeting uh, pleasantly plump. I think that described me, you know, for my, I had to giggle, um, that described me, you know, my whole childhood. Um, and, you know, over time as I, um, grew, I, you know, I grew in weight as well. And this is a picture of me. I think this was like a junior high school dance, 1997 y'all. There it is. Um, I, you know, I was, a a chubby nerd. That's, that was my identity. Um, I was all about school and school and applying myself at school was really what I, what I held on to as, you know, the thing, the, the thing that was good about me, the thing that was going to get me as far as possible from my alcoholic home. Um, and you know, I, I made it, I, I went to college. Um, this is me at my graduation from college. Um, and it's funny looking at this picture, like, I don't remember myself being this overweight at that time, but, um, and, and this was actually me in high school. Um, so, you know, I, 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 was at my top weight when I was actually at the very end of high school. And then I decided that I didn't want to be overweight anymore. And I asked my mom for a gym membership for Christmas or something like that. And I started working out and I didn't know anything about nutrition or anything about anything, but I, um, I basically starved myself and exercised myself down about, I lost about 60 pounds really fast at the very end of high school. And, you know, then came the rush of all this positive attention that came from weight loss. And um, I got into college and, and as you can see, you know, I, I couldn't sustain it. Even I, I rode crew for four years in college. I mean, that was like two and, you know, two hours of exercise every day. And I, I remember, you know, binges and hiding in my 
dorm room binging my brains out when I was stressed about school. Um, I just ate my way through all of that. And, um, you know, my, my twenties and thirties were pretty much a battle with the food. Um, you know, and, and, you know, the, the big book lists, you know, here are all the things we tried. So I tried exercise. I tried weightlifting. I tried calorie counting. I tried apps. I tried this diet and that diet. I tried, you know, um, pills that had me walking around with palpitations, even though I'm in the medical field and I knew that was not good. Right. Um, I tried bulimia. I just wasn't very good at it. Um, anorexia was never part of my story. (laughs) Um, and nothing, you know, so so I want to say nothing worked. Some, some things worked for a while, but nothing nothing worked long-term. There was always this, you know, this funny, almost three month point that I would hit, um, where, you know, the diet would stop working, you know, no, no matter what it was, you know, that had me, uh, had my weight down a bit, had me feeling good and in control, right? Cause all of this really was about control. I would just, I would try to eat again, eat the the foods that I enjoyed again, and it would spiral out of control. And um, I got to a point where, you know, I, everything that I had been able to go back to for periods of time to control and manage my weight, just stopped working. I was depressed. I was miserable. I was so lonely. And I called my mom sobbing and I said, I cannot stop eating and I don't know how to be happy. And she was an AA and she had, you know, 10 plus years of sobriety. And she said, I think there is AA for food. You should find it and try it. And I did. And that's how I ended up in um, entering, you know, the doors of my first in-person meeting here where I live. Um, And then I struggled in the rooms for about two years, really not getting it. And I had a beautiful, wonderful sponsor who's a beautiful, wonderful human being. And I was, I worked the steps um, using OA literature and answering a lot of questions about my eating history and et cetera. But guys, you know, the name of this meeting is choose your own conception. I had no conception or connection to a power greater than me. Um, I never cracked the big book and I kept on binging through that whole time. And I got to a point where I was ready to quit. I was, I was done and I just wasn't getting it. Um, and at that point, I was essentially 12 steps to a big book, a daily big book phone meeting. And I, I started listening and I heard some novel concepts that really resonated with my experience. This concept of untreated abstinence you know, oh, that is, that's the feeling that I have when the food is down for periods of time, 
when I feel like I have no joy in my life, I want to peel my skin off. And, and going back to the food was just, it just seemed inevitable. I had no power to not go back. Um, and the concept that food was not my problem. Um, and this was just, it, it, it just resonated to the point where um, I introduced myself as a newcomer. I got many, many outreach calls. And one of those call, on one of those calls, a woman told me that she had been in OA, not two years, but I think at that point, almost 40 years. And she really struggled with a conception of a higher power for a really long time. And, but, but she had not hurt herself with food in four or five years. And that got my attention. And so I just, I, sur I surrendered, I became willing and I surrendered any and all foods that were possibly triggering this craving, this physical craving in me that I, I know just from experience, I have that reaction to certain foods. And when I don't eat them, you know, some people in this world can be moderators. Others of us are abstainers. I think we're a program of abstainers. It just, life works a whole lot better when we abstain from certain things. Um, and that was definitely true for me. But, you know, once that, that craving was calmed, I still had all of my emotions to deal with. I had all of my past with food and people that I had been writing about working with steps, but had not figured out still, like, what, what am I going to do with all this? So my sponsor took me through the steps with the big book and I understood what a real inventory was. So it's not all about what everybody did to me. Um, it's actually keeping that part of it brief, right? It's much more about where mostly is, where is my thinking about this broken? And how can I find compassion for the people, the institutions that have me burnt up, you know, that have me drinking the poison and wishing they would die? How can I find compassion for those people? And to really, um, to press play on that as someone I love likes to say, you know, to really follow through on that process of inventory. I identified the harms that I did them. And then I make amends, which is, you know, if you've ever been on the receiving end of a crappy amends, we all know what that, you know, remorseful mumbling that I'm sorry feels like when you receive it and it's just, it just doesn't feel like it's enough. And um, I was guided through, you know, this, these steps, this process of what, what was it like to make a real amends? And it is really about identifying Direct harms 
felt by that person, seeing things from their perspective. Obviously, we don't, you know, the book tells us, the book gives such beautiful instruction in these pages of this chapter. I don't want to spend a lot of time reiterating what's already just beautifully written there. But suffice it to say, through this process, I, I got the opportunity to make some difficult but very powerful amends that taught me so much. And also, really, this is where this concept of faith really started to grow in me. That, you know, this idea that there was something bigger than me, which my my conception just at first was, you know, it's a force for good within and between us. You know, that's all I need to make a start. I'm going to surrender to this process and I'm going to have faith that this will work. Um. And I'm, I'm going to reach out for the help I need and make connections and let that force talk to me through others, through fellows. That made a huge difference. So one of the most powerful amends that I got to make was to my dad. So round one in the steps, I didn't even think I had an amends to make to my dad. It was all about what he did to me. You know, he, he left my mom for another woman when I was young you know, he was never there, all the ways he wasn't there for me. And I mean, through the, through the inventory, I could see that there was a lot, there was a very big story that I was telling myself about who my dad, who my dad was in my life. I was way focused on the things he hadn't done rather than, you know, expressing, ever expressing any gratitude for the ways that he had been there for me which were really big, actually, when I looked at them and thought about them. And I knew I was ready to make the amends when, first of all, I wrote it all out. I had my sponsor take the red ink to it, um, which was really helpful. You know, I, I find with most, most of my amends, I write them and then my sponsor, you know, takes a lot of stuff out. There's, there's always too much me in it. I'll say that. And you know, getting the me out of it is helpful. And you, I needed someone else to do that. Um, and, and I knew I was ready when I just, I, I truly had let go of the outcome. I didn't need him to say or do anything in return, but just to listen. And I called him and I read him this letter over the phone. And it was incredible because um we had he we had such a damaged relationship that he didn't come to my wedding or walk me down the aisle just three years before that and we were speaking at the time but not not really much and we had this incredibly powerful and healing conversation and um you know i realized in that moment that I had stopped looking to my dad to give me something that he as a human just couldn't give, you know, he just, he couldn't give it. And um, that just, it freed me up actually to, to love him. That's my focus in our relationship. I try to call him and support him and love him. Um. Another really powerful amends was to my, um, I had been, I'm, I'd been married, I'm divorced and remarried and my ex-husband 
um, his parents, I was very close to them when we were married. And I, I left that marriage, um, which is a story for another time, but um, I always felt horrible that, that when we split, I just, I never spoke with his parents after that. I, we never had a conversation. I never got to tell them what they meant to me and that I was sorry um, for the way things had turned out and that I was grateful to them. I just, and I assumed that because I left the marriage, they hated me. They must hate me. And 10 years had gone by and this still haunted me. And I thought that any kind of direct contact was going to cause them harm, right? The book tells us not to cause people harm. But my sponsor, you know, and she had good instincts and, and, and she said, look, you, you did a direct harm, so you have to make a direct amends. And so we settled on a letter, maybe a phone call would be too aggressive, but a letter. And so I sent that letter, never expecting to hear back. And about a week later, I got an email from my mother-in-law, former mother-in-law, and it was so kind and um, generous. And um, it, it didn't open the door to any kind of continued relationship, but I was floored because I was convinced you guys, like this is, this is the thing, you know, I realized when, when I'm convinced, I know what other people are thinking and feeling, which I really, up until working the steps in this process, like you couldn't tell me I didn't know. When I do that, I'm playing God by, by jumping into other people's heads. And so that was just an incredibly powerful experience of being wrong that was beautiful and transformative. Um, I, I want to spend the rest of the time talking about the promises, which is actually my favorite part of this chapter, because it's kind of a litmus test, you know, for are, are we, are we living this thing right? Are we doing it right? Um, and they say, if we're painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through, meaning halfway through the amends. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. So freedom, I mean, what does it mean to be free from addiction? Aaron, two and, minutes. Oh boy, spent two, oh good. Well, okay, we're gonna talk about the part of the promises that I can do in two minutes here. <laughs> But I mean, so freedom is the ability to act without control or interference by another or by circumstances. Food does not control me today the way that it used to. It doesn't interfere in my life. Um, and I'm not using it to run interference in my life and with my emotions. I mean, happiness, I, you know, I don't know how to define that. I think it's... Um, more more about happierness you know i don't know if happiness is is attainable but i think i think happiness gets confused especially by us addicts with a feeling of high you know um like that rush that dopamine hit that we used to get from the food and that feeling that we were always chasing with food has really been 
replaced by a much more calm feeling of contentment and also for just the true joy of connection. Because <laughs> like I said, I was very lonely. Um, I realized that I was isolated in my marriage. My husband didn't really know my inner workings. I didn't share that with him. I had no friends here. Um, and I, I just want to actually, on that note, there was another, if I can share my screen one more time, but um, there's another picture here, the most important one, which is, you know, what is it like today? Um, this is a picture of my husband and I hiking in Yosemite. And then in the middle, um, just some, some recent, uh, a trip to LA just last weekend where I got to have dinner with some OA fellows. Um, and then an OA fellow that lives here in Michigan that I get to see in person. And then a recent trip with my mom, aunt and husband to Europe, um, which was amazing. You know, like life is full now. I, I do feel free for the most part um, and happy. I comprehend serenity. Like I may not feel serene all the time. I can tell you that like, I'll be honest with you. It's been a rough week. I've been very anxious and stressed about work. I did not want to come do this. You know, I was very happy that Meredith asked me when she asked me, but you know, the day comes and I'm like, I really wish, I, you know, um, because when left to my own devices, my priorities my, are all wiggity whack. You know, I forget the most important things in my life and it's time time that's a great place to end <laughs> and with that I'll pass <laughs> all right thank you so much for your share Aaron we will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares as this is a big book study sharing and sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and the step being studied this week we ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under the reactions, or star nine if you're on the phone. I will call the raised hands in order, and the Zoom host will ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Uh, would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when the time is up? If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Okay, uh, up first is Liz Kay. Go ahead, please. Hi, Liz Kay, compulsive overeater. Um, Aaron, thank you for that share. Um, you were talking about your very powerful amends that you were making to your previous in-laws and um it just made me realize like I have a, a very similar story um you know I went through the steps already last year and I did all my amends and I'm kind of going through them again this year but um I never ever thought about my ex-husband's parents as people that I needed to apologize to or make it right because um you know I I felt like in the 
divorce, I lost two family members that weren't my family anymore, even though, um, you know, my kids have a great relationship with them. My, my mother-in-law passed away, um, at the beginning of COVID and, you know, she knew I loved her and I knew she loved me, but there was that distance that just the, the separation, the divorce caused. And I, like you, I always thought they must hate me or, you know, mad at me for causing this break in the family. And, um, yeah, so just your words tonight, just melted me and I'm sitting here crying over it. And I realize that there, there are people that I still need to fix, um, whether living amends or not, um, or direct amends, but thank you for your vulnerability and, you know, sharing that with us tonight really helped. Thank you. Thank you for your share, Liz. Ian, you're up next. Hi, I'm Ian F. I'm a compulsive overeater. Aaron, oh my God. <laughs> I was so stoked when I saw that you were you were the speaker. It's phenomenal stuff. Um <laughs> totally my story, totally relate. Um that piece about about happiness and and um also, can you guys hear me? My screen is completely frozen. Perfect. Thank you, Kendall. Um, that piece about happiness really struck me. Um, thinking about step nine when it, it tells me to take the bit in my teeth um, when That's I make these meals. Come here. It tells me to take the, the bit in my teeth when I make these amends. And, and the reason for that is that it's it's not about me. That's something that my sponsor tells me every time I take an amend to her. It's not about you, Ian. It's not about you. It's not about what they think of you. It's not about what you're getting from this. It is quite simply, I have done something wrong, and it is my responsibility to fix it to the best of my ability. And that's it. Um, but also, I cannot read people's minds. And I know that. And I still think that I can do it every single day. And I have to remind myself that I cannot do it. <laughs> I just can't. I have a friend at my work who I used to think that he hated me. And I hated him because he was better than me at everything else. And he told me really recently, we were having a conversation about speaking how we felt. And he was like, I love you. <laughs> he was like, I've never hated you. <laughs> you know, I can never know. And also, it's not important. Because happiness is not people like me or people find me valuable or I look a certain way or I sound a certain way or I have this much status. That's where I was in my addiction. My happiness, my worth was dependent on something other people were giving or not giving me. And freedom today is that the only thing that I need is to know that whatever conception of a higher power I have has me. And that is a fact of my life. So when I'm making amends, you know, it's not about whether I'm going to be okay because I'm going to be okay. You know, it's about am I where my higher power needs me to be, period. That's freedom, you know, not, not validation or approval or popularity or 
um, or any of that. It's just, I'm okay. Period. <laughs> That's all I've got to share. I'll pass. Love you guys. Love you, Aaron. Thank you, Ian, for your share. Lynn S., you're up next, please. Hi, everybody. Lynn S., compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Aaron, I always get I always get these gems when you share, when I hear you in the morning. And tonight there were three of them. And one of them was, you know, the amends, identifying the direct harms felt by that person, seeing it from their perspective. And, you know, there's, I could get the, the direct harms, you know, I could see that, but to actually turn it around and see it from their perspective, that that's, that's another great way for me to look at this. And she said, when I'm so sure, when I'm convinced, and I say that all the time, but what I say is when I am so sure I'm always wrong, but the way you say it is so much more powerful. I didn't realize this. When I'm so sure, when I'm convinced, I'm playing God. And that's something I've always struggled with is I never saw how I was playing God. Well, here's one right here. And I, I just love that you said that. But the, the best thing I got out of tonight was when you said happiness is true, the true joy of connection. And you talked about that, you know, I was so lonely. And I was suffering from loneliness so much at the beginning of this year. I, I couldn't stand it. I ended up uh, relapsing. But isn't that really what the step nine amends are about? Repairing relationships or if the relationship, it, maybe that's the wrong way to say it. It's about really connecting with somebody. I'm connecting in a step nine with the person that I have done harm to. And I am connecting in a sincere, heartfelt, honest way and making amends, apologizing for the way I treated them. And that's a connection. And if the relationship gets repaired, that's great. And if it doesn't, it doesn't matter. But there's that true joy as well in making that connection. So thank you, Erin. You gave me three new ways to see things that have a measure of depth and weight that wasn't in the way I was seeing them. So thank you very much. Thank you for your share, Lynn. Uh, Meredith, you're up next. Hey everybody, um, Meredith B, Recovered Compulsive Reader in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, this has been a very interesting afternoon. Thank you, Erin, for your share. Um, that thing about playing God when I think I know what anybody is thinking. That's so true. Um, it's interesting. Well, it's, I mean, it is where we are um, in step nine and reading the promises. I, I shared with a fellow this week that um, I couldn't, like now when I read the promises, I get all choked up. Like I read them for years. They were in the format, uh, in the script or, you know, what have you for every in-person meeting I went to. And they, I just thought that was pie in the sky. No pun guys. Um, but just, they were so 
it w- I told her it was like a fairy tale to me. And they're actually, <laughs> they're actually coming true. And because um, the promise is a promise and you don't just promise something if you don't mean it, I guess. So, um, oh, and also this is what was so interesting about this afternoon is that my former brother-in-law reached out to me. This is my ex-husband's brother to talk about a relationship he's embarking on. And he wanted my point of view on something. And he's a really sweet guy. And we ended up having this long conversation and turns out I got to tell him my side of the story, which I know it's not about that, but um, I think it was illuminating (laughs) for him. Um, I don't even know why I just said all that. I just think it's kind of interesting that all of this in-law talk, and I just got off the phone with my former brother-in-law. And yeah, I just wanted to say that about the promises and also this, the freedom that I felt when I gave my amends, well, to uh, to my husband, really, or ex-husband, especially, wow. It was one of the first ones I did. And I just thought, oh, I don't have to schlep around this disguise anymore. It's, It's all out there. And that is really freedom. It was awesome. Um, Also, my um, relationships with both of my sisters are like on a whole new trajectory. They've been renewed and and repaired. And it's, I mean, it's just miraculous. So thanks, everybody. I'll pass. Thanks for your share, Meredith B. Uh, With the Zoom host, please stop the recording.